following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. I adored my grandparents. They were the kind of grandparents that every child should have. At least four times a year, we had extended visits with them, either here in Kent or in southern Indiana. The days would always fly by as we spent time with them. I was always a little bit shocked when our time was over until the next time. Whether we were leaving their home or they were leaving ours, we always went out to the car together, getting in every last possible hug. And then as the car pulled away, we all waved until we couldn't see each other anymore. There was always sweetness and sorrow mingled in our hearts. There was the sweetness of our time together, the things we did, the stories we told, and always the laughter that we shared. The sweetness was undeniable. But there was the sorrow in parting, even though we knew we would see each other again. There was sadness in losing their comforting presence, even though we knew that that loss was temporary. Saying goodbye was always sweet sorrow. This way of leave-taking has continued in my family. I always wave them off for as long as I can see them. And then I go into the house like my grandmother did, feeling the sweet and the sorrow, enjoying little handprints left all over the windows, cleaning up the toys and dishes that had once been in their hands, and remembering our time together and falling into my recliner. Parting is such sweet sorrow is a phrase from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It is spoken on the the famous balcony scene. Juliet and Romeo have fallen in love. They, They can hardly tear themselves away from one another. Yet the promise of being married soon makes the parting more palatable. Sweet sorrow is a puzzle produced by a contradiction. It's an oxymoron, and it's something that we live with. The Romans had the same kind of phrase, ave et cu vale, which means hello 
and goodbye. Now, ministers understand the meaning of this phrase as we prepare to end the pastoral relationship as minister and congregation. In our United Methodist system of appointments, we are very familiar with the hello and the goodbye, but that doesn't make it any easier, especially in this particular congregation where appointments are much longer than five to eight years. You have had more time to get to know and love on Dave and Doug and their families. You have grown together and faced grief and hardship together. You have struggled together and you have rejoiced together for many years. And your relationships with these phenomenal leaders is strong. You have experienced wonderful preaching, amazing Bible studies, heartfelt counsel, faithful visitation, and their very presence in your lives. And that is why in the next weeks you will feel the sweet sorrow of this season in the life of your congregation. This family of faith laughs together and weeps together. You have shared baptisms, confirmations, weddings, Holy Communion, too many funerals, lots of eating. And every moment of those stages, you have depended on Dave and Doug, and those memories are precious. Of course, you have also had some difficult seasons and some difficult moments. Every congregation has them. Oddly, congregations don't always agree about everything or every decision that has been made, but that's a good thing. You are a diverse group of people. When you needed to come together, most of the time, you did. Another part of the sweet sorrow we experienced in our churches is that in the midst of leave-taking, we are also welcoming someone new. In a short time, you will welcome Nathan Howe, and he will bring his own style of leadership, his own style of worship, administration, and engaging in relationships. You will hear a different voice as he shares new ideas, revives previous ministries, and loves on you in unique ways. 
you will also revive an older relationship as Bob Makovic becomes your minister of visitation and cares for you. Both of these ministers will bless you if you are open to their leadership and care. I wonder when it came time for Elijah and Elisha to part company, if they shared the sweet sorrow of wonderful memories, a couple of real disasters, and work done well together. It was time for Elijah to go to end his relationship with his beloved Israel and the man that he had mentored. Elijah decided to take one last stroll around the region of his ministry. And he told Elijah to stay behind, but Elisha refused to leave him. And so they traveled from town to town together, sometimes joined by others and mostly just the two of them alone. Did Elijah give last-minute advice to Elisha about being a solid prophet no matter what he was up against? Did they pray about the future and cry over the mistakes they had made? I think it's likely, even though the text is silent about such matters, then, in a moment, it was time for Elijah to leave, or more accurately, be taken. He asked his pupil if there was anything he could do for him before he left, and Elisha requests two-thirds of Elijah's spirit. Elijah replies, <laughs> Mia Kara. That is not mine to give, but only God's. And then in a great show from heaven, a chariot and horses of fire appeared and first separated the two men. And then Elijah was gone. The only thing of left of him was his cloak, a sign of his office as a prophet. Elisha picked it up, and guess what he did? He carried on the ministry. He helped his people to move forward. The stoles that we wear as ordained elders are not the same as the mantles or the cloaks of the prophets, yet some of the symbolism is the same. The, the stole not only speaks to the season we are in, but it is also a sign of ordination, the ordaining to lead the local church 
administer it and celebrate the sacraments. It is meant to be a visual reminder of the yoke of Jesus that we take upon ourselves. Take my yoke upon your shoulders and learn from me. And that's what we do throughout our lives as ministers. We take on the yoke and we never stop learning from Jesus. Whether we are in our first year of ministry or our last, there are more things to learn. <laughs> so when a minister leaves a church, she takes off her stole or yoke, lays it on the communion table. This act reminds both the congregation and the minister that their relationship is about to change. She is no longer their minister, and they are no longer her parishioners. Their love for one another does not end, but the nature of the relationship does. A new person will then pick up that yoke and lead the congregation into the next season of their life. And like the story in 2 Kings, others will recognize the next person chosen to minister. Your preacher, guide, and traveling companion. Ministers grieve this change in relationship, but we also rejoice that God is doing a new thing. I retired last year, and I gotta say, it was a bit of an adjustment. Wednesday would roll around, and I would have a quick moment of panic that I hadn't worked on my sermon yet. I would sleep in and think I was late for office hours. Though I have to confess, I haven't missed being in meetings at all. <laughs> we pine for what we have had, but we are also excited about what is to be for us personally, but also for our beloved congregation. As the preacher of Ecclesiastes wrote, we experience life in seasons, and that is as it should be. The most wonderful thing about the story in 2 Kings is that after Elijah left, Elisha crossed back over the Jordan and got to work. I know you will work with your new ministers. I know that you will get over this pandemic-related inertia that so many congregations are suffering and step up 
and help this congregation grow. I know that Nathan and Bob will take care of you, and I know that you will take care of them. That's who you are, and that's why I've always loved you. Parting is sweet and sorrowful, but that just proves how important your connection with one another is. And so take care of one another. Pray for one another. Move forward with one another and be a blessing to one another. The Lord is with you, eager to work with you. Let us pray. Elisha said, please let me inherit two-thirds of your spirit. God of power, without your love, we can do nothing. Give us two-thirds share of your spirit so that we can work together across the world and in our communities to bring about the end of poverty and strife. Teach us to follow the examples of the prophets and of Jesus, to speak clearly alongside the disenfranchised, and to work tirelessly for the good of all people. We are grateful for this day and this time to worship you and thank you for our blessings. You move in our lives in ways we don't always understand. Yet we look back and see your hand guiding us, closing some doors and opening others. Help us to have the kind of faith that always believes you are working for our good. Sophia, Spirit of God, surround and fill this congregation with strength, imagination, and grace for one another in the world. Move your power and insight into their lives and, and weave them with your love and mercy. Bless us in the season ahead to let go and take up, to mourn and then get ready to dance, to say goodbye and to say hello. God of healing, we pray for all in this church family and beyond who are struggling today with illness of any kind, with toxic relationships, with the need to be included, with loneliness, with changes, with the need to make changes, with the path they are on, 
pain, anxiety they're experiencing. God bless them in ways that are unimaginable in the midst of their situation. And help each one to know that you are walking beside them and their sisters and brothers are walking beside them too. Holy One, we pray for our United Methodist Church and the changes it is undergoing. Help us to stand by our principles as a progressive church, which can now truly say we have open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Most of all, we invite you into the life of the church and into our denomination as you create again a new thing. God of power, we pray for our country, which is a hot mess right now. We pray for those who would take our democracy away from us, that they would open themselves to your teaching and not twist them, and that they would find the love of Jesus Christ for all people. Give strength to those who are working so hard to bring our nation forward into the ideals with which you have given us. God, thank you for this day and all the possibilities you lay before us as Christian women, men, and children. Give us the audaciousness to live before others as you live before us. And it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.com.